0: vital entities. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problems. Government is the problem. Praise Cal 1A and pass the ammunition. The Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli J. Yes, we are up to our eyebrows in problems and troubles. The whole world is. But of course, we here at Eurofolk Radio know that the true objective of the Jew world order is to destroy true Israel and the rest of the white race. And more and more people are becoming aware of this and saying so, that white people are the real target of COVID-19. And uh, in in emails I get from new people, I express that sentiment, and typically they all agree (laughs) that that is what's going on, and not just uh, in emails and and other sources as well. So folks, uh, we are in the end times, and COVID-19 is a weapon formed against us, however, remember uh, in Daniel, I believe it's chapter seven. No weapon formed against you, namely Israel, Jacob, Israel, will prosper. And you look, our people went through a thousand years of persecution at the hands of the Holy Roman Empire, Catholic Roman Catholic Church. We've survived two world wars, and actually, the uh, you know, the Bolshevik Revolution really should be or coup by the International Jew should be considered part of World War I and Korean War, Vietnam War. <laughs> There's been constant warfare since the Jewish World Order has been instituted in uh, 1815 with the defeat of Napoleon by the Rothschilds. So, We are really facing a hard, hard future in the near term. In the near term, it's going to be very, very difficult because it's really obvious that the international Jew is not going to let up anytime soon. Of course, they can't. The Bible says Satan knows his time is short. And the more resistance we put up against him... Hold on, I have to adjust my... Headphones are vibrating. Okay, the more uh, resistance put up we put up, the more frustrated the Rothschilds and the Jews at large get. They get more and more frustrated. So I put two links in the chat room, and uh, I'm going to start with. Uh, com, which is a very, very fascinating story. Uh, looks like Dr. Jane Ruby is becoming a standout in reporting on the uh, COVID nonsense. The fact that it's all fake, that it's all planned by the internationalists. She hasn't come out yet. And named uh, the Jewish organizations, although, you know, she's has uh, no problems naming the World Health Organization, CDC. I don't know if she's talked about the international bankers yet, but nevertheless. Uh, this article here, the website is sensereceptornews.com, which is not Jane Ruby's website. However, uh, Sense Receptor is hosted apparently here by independent journalist Catherine Watt. And uh, she lays out the legal architecture constructed over decades that allows for totalitarian control during health emergencies like COVID. So, uh, and uh, Catherine Watt is primarily a legal analyst, although she has a degree, according to the interview, she did here as part of this website. So I think I'm going to post this up on Eurofolk Radio. Uh, see if I can extract the interview so uh you know, people can go and uh, listen to the or watch the interview and then later on or earlier read the article. So the headline here is, Independent journalist Catherine Watt lays out the legal architecture constructed over decades. We know this has been going on for a long time. That allows for totalitarian control during the health emergencies like COVID. Okay. Top line. Independent journalist and paralegal Catherine Watt has done a very deep dive into the legal framework that allowed for the totalitarian control that came into play in the U.S. during the COVID-19 pandemic and discovered federal laws have been changed over the past several decades in preparation for the quote-unquote health emergency coup. In several recent interviews, Watt specifically highlights 1983 as a critical decay year when the public health emergency section was added to the 1944 Public Health Service Act, as well as 2005, when the PREP Act was passed. That's P-R-E-P, PREP Act. And, of course, this is legislation that very, very few of us know about. And uh, she has dug deeply into this. And shown how the globalists and the democrats and the demopublicans and the are, or, or the rhinocrats taken together have conspired. How our government has conspired against us, the people, to create this number one legal architecture for health emergencies, and how number two. They have conspired with the likes of Bill Gates and World Health Organization, CDC, etc., to contrive a health emergency. Fortunately, we in identity have not been fooled. Most of the rest of the world has. But there are a lot of holdouts in the professional community, by which I mean doctors, journalists... Lawyers who have not succumbed to this <laughs> fake, fake, fake epidemic. Okay, so uh, I'm at the uh, video here. I'm not going to play it, uh, but I will see if I can load this up on Eurofolk Radio and make a special uh, post of this. Anyway, so it continues. While it may seem like the COVID-19 quote-unquote pandemic or plandemic had only been planned several years before its execution, we now know that the most powerful people in the world had been orchestrating the worldwide government reaction to the real disease, or or, or, real question mark disease, for for decades. Global elites weren't only holding numerous planning exercises for the grand ruse over the years, a stacked deck, but also putting into place the legal framework that would allow for enormous governmental overreach. And for those curious about how that was done, exactly, independent journalist Catherine Watt has assembled much of the relevant documentation. In the interview which uh, I may play a little bit of it uh, because if I have to take a break, I'll play a little bit of it. In the interview immediately, I forgot to get my water before I sat down. In the interview immediately above with Dr. Jane Ruby, a medical professional and pharmaceutical drug development expert, Watt offers a summary of the extensive research she's performed into how the legal underpinnings for the authoritarianism that was put into play in response to COVID-19 have developed over the years. Watt, a Roman Catholic, American, Gen X writer, paralegal, printmaker, wife and mother, notes toward the beginning of the interview with Ruby that she began to suspect something was wrong with the COVID narrative in May twenty twenty. Well, that was only you know, January, February, March, April, May. It's only four four or five months after We stated publicly in January of 2020, there is something rotten in the state of the UN and and in the the CDC, etc. Very, very rotten. And we already at that point began warning people not to get the shot. So it didn't take her much longer because she was looking at the legal ramifications. We, of course, know uh, the Jews will do anything to destroy us. So, uh, And they had tried to put into place various fake pandemics for the previous 20 years. And we had followed these, and none of those worked. And uh, Doc Waterman and I had uh, reminisced, or not reminisced, speculated, that one of these days the Rothschilds are simply going to play a heavy hand and somehow try to force people to get the shot. That's exactly what happened with COVID. So let's continue. Her suspicions grew in September of 2020 when there was an early win for the constitutional rights of U.S. citizens via County of Butler et al. versus Pennsylvania Governor Thomas Wolfe that was thwarted by the Third Circuit Court of Appeals. At that point, Governor Wolf had sort of rolled back the COVID measures, which allowed for the Third Circuit Court to dismiss the case as moot. Apparently moot meaning that uh, there's uh, no great case by either side. Despite the fact that the initial federal judge ruled that, in Watts' words, the COVID measures were infringing on people's rights, quote, unquote, and the measures couldn't go on forever, as, quote, the Constitution was designed to protect people's rights even in emergencies, unquote. And that is the case. When the plaintiffs tried to take the case to the Supreme Court, however, it, quote, refused to hear the case entirely, unquote. Watt subsequently began to wonder where all the safeguards against tyranny were. Well, they're in Rothschild's pocket. Then, when she heard a podcast featuring attorney Todd Callender in January of 2022 embedded immediately above... She started to put the pieces together regarding how the legal shenanigans surrounding COVID had been pulled off. Well, certainly, we know that also in the mid-80s, the pharmaceutical companies, particularly the vaccine manufacturers, had uh, pulled off a coup by getting their uh, Childhood Vaccines uh, Act passed. I think that's the name of it. In which the vaccine manufacturers got total immunity from having to, uh, you know, pay for damage done by vaccines. So that was a major coup. I'm sure she's aware of that. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yahweh said. Yeah. Yeah. Even tattoos and body piercings. <laughs> Uh, We're coming into Fashion Word Day. Etchings. You want to come up and see my etchings? (laughs) They're all over my body. Right? Uh, So this is where we're at, folks. It's, It's a great orchestration of mind control using our bodies and everything else under the sun. To get us to comply. To get us in the habit of complying, don't you know? Let's continue. When the plaintiffs tried to take the case to the Supreme Court, however, it refused to hear the case, Watts subsequently began to wonder where all the safeguards against tyranny were. Then when she heard a podcast featuring Todd Callender, she uh, started to put the pieces together. All right, so, Callender noted in the podcast, which was with Dr. Elizabeth Lee Vliet, V-L-I-E-T, that the World Health Organization, WHO, International Health Regulations, IHR, specifically in its amendments from 2005, effectively made the WHO's quote-unquote laws enforceable in the U.S. Now, how could the World Health Organization make non-American laws the law in the U.S., of course, she highlights this, she puts that word laws in quotes. That is, once U.S. Congress had put into place the quote-unquote implementing statutes, unquote, necessary at the nation-state level for those quote-unquote laws to take effect. So, in other words, the legislature passed quote-unquote laws which are unconstitutional, which, as we know, are Policy, not law. For reference, the the IHR first adopted the World Health Assembly by the World Health Assembly in 1969 is, quote, the only international legal treaty with the responsibility of empowering the World Health Organization to act as the main global surveillance system. So they've been getting this ready for quite some time. So the World Health Assembly apparently preceded the World Health Organization, and that has been around since 1969. The 2005 amendments forced the 196 WHO member countries to, quote, recognize that certain public health incidents extending beyond disease Ought to be designated as Public Health Emergency of International Concern. I guess you pronounce that fake. (laughs) P-H-E-I-C. The acronym is P-H-E-I-C, and that is pronounced fake. As they pose a significant global threat, supposedly. Supposedly. A fake, which is a literal acronym that's pronounced fake, <laughs> read more about that via the post embedded immediately above, is what use was used to kick off the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, it's a freak show. And all of the subsequent authoritarian countermeasures against the supposed disease. Watt notes in a substack post titled, American Domestic Bioterrorism Programme, that in 2005, in 2005, former President Bush also signed Executive Order 13375, which added symptomatic influenza to a list of quarantinable, communicable diseases, authorizing the head of the Department of Health and Human Services to use force to apprehend and detain people In the same year, now it's interesting here, because in America, they have never used force. No one has ever forced a single American, at least by these organizations, I I know of isolated incidents where bureaucrats and even school teachers have forcibly inoculated people and children who would not comply, but this was not done by the police authorities, by the police powers. All vaccination or inoculations in America have been done by coercion of other means. They be threatening to take your job, to uh, shame you in public, that's what the masks are all about, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So I don't think there is a county or state or city that has forcibly vaccinated anybody. Although this may not be true of local school boards. and These local school boards, of course, are not authorized to vaccinate people. But what they're doing to our children in these schools, uh, transgender operations, hormone treatment, they call it therapy hormone bastardization of males versus females, etc. Oh tearing out your reproductive organs. It's incredible what's happening in the schools. And of course mainstream media is not reporting on this at all. Of course, the Kosher Press is not reporting on this at all. So, as Watt points out, uh, this, uh, this Readiness Prep Act allows the head of the HHS, Health and Human Services, uh, maybe it should be the Freemasonic and Luciferian Services, quote, to unilaterally issue declarations recommending, quote, manufacture, testing, development, distribution, administration, or use of one or more covered countermeasures, unquote. Countermeasures to what? A merely declared emergency. All we have to do is to declare it. Now, why is there a snake (laughs) around a pole or a tree (laughs) as a symbol of the World Health Organization? (laughs) Right? Asclepius, that that, uh, that snake figure of pharmakia in, in ages gone by, that, that Greek god Asclepius. Anyway, the question is, is the whose Pandemic Treaty, Pandemic Party, just a distraction from newly proposed amendments? to its international health regulations? No, it's not a distraction. It's an institutionalization of it. For reference, the wiki page for the PREP Act, or PREPA, notes that, quote, by invoking provisions of PREPA, the HHS secretary can wield broad authority to declare an emergency... Which in turn triggers drug company immunity from liability at any time, which is in addition to the act the vaccination uh, immunity they got in the nineteen eighties, thereby conferring upon drug companies legal immunity for harm caused by their misconduct, unquote. The wiki page also notes, quote, the immunity that could be conferred on drug and vaccine manufacturers, which is never conferred to the victims of inoculation, can be applied regardless of wrongdoing by affected drug companies, unquote. Now, there is a fly in the ointment, and I'm not sure if I have that article queued up for today's show. But it turns out that in the country of Thailand, the princess, the daughter of the king, was recently inoculated with her second COVID shot, the Pfizer shot, and she collapsed two or three days later and now is in a coma. And this uh, Thailandese, this Thai... Doctor who has been practicing in Germany, who uh, speaks fluent German and fluent English, and has been an opponent of the COVID agenda from the very beginning. Can't recall his name, a Thai, a, a Thai doctor, and he went to he went back to Thailand after the king's daughter underwent this, uh, you know, collapse. And she's in a coma in a hospital there. And he explained to the king exactly what this is all about. Once the king realized that he was telling the truth about this COVID nonsense, he was furious and he said, we are going to challenge Pfizer. We're going to challenge Pfizer and the contract we have with them based on fraud. Fraud. So, if the King of Thailand follows through, they will cancel the contract and they will start suing Pfizer, hopefully, into bankruptcy. And this should be putting the fear of, of Asclepius into all of the vaccine manufacturing corporations. This is something they did not foresee. Okay? Okay. Yes, snake symbol used for medicine. Yeah, forced yeah, and forced integration too. That they're doing all that. They're forcing us to do this and that. And, yeah, I mean, nobody is really point, putting a gun to your head and saying, you must integrate. Nobody's putting a gun to your head and saying, you must take this shot. It's all unfriendly persuasion. That's what it is. Unfriendly persuasion. And fraud. Okay, so let's continue here. All of this is to say, the authoritarian powers, including mandates, lockdowns, etc., set into play in 2020, nor the extraordinary liability shield for Pfizer, Moderna, et al.'s wildly dangerous experimental injections would have been possible without both the IHR amendments from 2005 and the special powers granted to the head of the HHS in the same year via the PREP Act. Read more about the newly proposed amendments to the IHR via the post embedded immediately above. So, in other words, the conspiracy, the international globalist Jewish conspiracy to wipe out the white race has been going on for quite some time. And they have been preparing the way, the yellow brick brick road (laughs) for us to the slippery slope of the yellow brick road down into perdition for those who take the shot. The year 2005 was not the beginning of laying the foundation for the legal framework necessary for the atrocities that have happened since 2020, however. On the contrary, Watt notes in her bioterrorism post that, quote, the critical delay or decay began around 1983 when the public health emergency section was added to the 1944 Public Health Service Act. Watt adds, however, that most of the worst laws have been passed since 2000, just before 9-11, and the U.S. Department of Defense false flag anthrax attacks. Interpreting all of the legal changes mentioned, Watt goes on to say, quote, The basic goal of the architects responsible for health emergency authoritarianism in the U.S. was to set up legal conditions in which all governing power in the United States could be automatically transferred from the citizens and the three constitutional branches into the two hands of the Health and Human Services Secretary. Effective at the moment of the HHS Secretary himself declared a public health emergency, legally transforming free citizens into enslaved subjects. Remember, when Donald Trump, when Barack O. Trump declared the health emergency, he was standing there with Deborah Burks and Fauci and who was the vice president? I forget his name. Standing around him, and he declared that health emergency, and he temporarily turned over the government to the uh, he- you know the health department for a year. Folks, Donald Trump is a traitor. He's just as bad as George H. W. Bush, George H. Bush, Barack Obama, the Clintons, etc. Just as bad, and of course not not the least, B.D. Biden. Effective at the moment, the HHS secretary himself declared a public health emergency, legally transforming free citizens into enslaved subjects. Okay, unquote. Now maybe this did create a quote-unquote legal framework it's still all unconstitutional because it's a clear violation of uh, you know, various acts by Congress previous to all this, and but this is international law, and the U.S. Constitution also forbids international law from dictating terms here in America. So there are multiple reasons why all of this is unconstitutional. However, however, we know that the United Nations is the real source of all these problems, the Rothschilds being at the head of the snake. They're the head of the snake. Let's continue. Watt also notes in her interview with Ruby that she, and I highly suggest that you watch this interview. I'll put this up on the front page of Eurofolk Radio, probably right after today's show. Anyway, uh, the, she believes that the Department of Defense being legally primed for authoritarianism can be traced back to November of 1997. When Congress passed two laws, including the FDA Modernization Act and the National Defense Authorization Act, which made it so that there were more protections for military members when they were being asked to take a new experimental product, unquote. Well, have the military personnel been protected from COVID? I would say they're the ones who have been forced to take it more than anybody. Because otherwise they, they'd have to they'd be court-martialed, and they would lose whatever pension they get from the military, and probably have be, their pay absolutely cut off, and they will be let out and hung to dry, hung out to dry. Of all personnel in America, the military people are the ones most coerced. Watt notes, however, that this was a bait and switch as Congress then passed the, quote, the Emergency Use Authorization Section of the Food, Drug, and Cosmetics Act, moving all of the chemical and biological weapons research, testing, and deployment domestically onto the entire American population. Okay, so we are officially the guinea pigs, according to all of this unconstitutional Legislation. Calling it emergency use authorizations for public health emergencies. Watt adds, it's now a joint DOD HHS program and it's housed under the HHS where it was housed under DOD before. In the interview immediately above with Pharma Insider Sasha Latipova, Watt elaborates further on the legal framework put into place prior to the 2020 COVID pandemic. She discusses the federal statute legalese, more directly related to COVID-19, including the Other Transactions Authority, OTA, granted to 11 federal agencies, which she says she began to study after looking into whistleblower Brooke Jackson's lawsuit against Pfizer, And a subcontractor, Ventavia. Jackson, a site manager for Ventavia, during Pfizer's clinical trials, initially accused the pharma giant subcontractor of not obeying good clinical practices. At first, bringing her complaints to Ventavia, but then ultimately to the FDA. Soon after which, she was fired. In turn, Jackson sued Pfizer and Ventavia for false claims, thinking that Pfizer and Ventavia had lied to the federal government about conducting its clinical trials appropriately. This reminds me of the movie Was it Jane Fonda? Or some other actress you know, about uh, the three, uh, three Mile Island and the nuclear meltdown there, and how tough it was to get uh, you know, accurate media coverage for that event. And is there, gonna, and, and, which eventually did occur, a lot of, uh, 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 you know, coverage, of course it was all phony coverage, but now there's nothing. There's absolutely no coverage of the fake that's going on, and of course the preparations, the legalese preparations for COVID-19. Not one word from mainstream media. Fortunately, we have a number of former reporters from the various broadcasting corporations who have quit or were fired and have started their own blogs and their own uh, radio shows and and television shows, internet-savvy television shows, fighting against all of this authoritarianism. Okay? Okay. But I can say that we in Christian Identity, starting with Henry Ford and Gerald L.K. Smith, Bertrand Camperet, Dr. Wesley Swift, and dozens of others who have been warning that the federal government is getting ready to create a global, first of all, a national dictatorship, as part of the global dictatorship of the Rothschilds. We've been warning about this for now over a 100 years. So it's not like these media people don't have a clue. They know what's going on. But they're being told to keep their mouths shut for fear of losing their jobs or worse. Somebody might get their legs broken too if they don't follow orders. But as it turns out, it turned out that the U.S. government was in on the fraudulent clinical trials and in on the whole fraud entirely. Of course they were. You can read more about that via the post embedded immediately below. Watt notes in Pfizer's April 2022 motion to dismiss Jackson's lawsuit. The pharma giant attached an OTA contract quote, saying, in effect, we had no obligation to conduct real clinical trials because the only goods and services we were providing to the U.S. government, according to this contract, was a large-scale manufacturing demonstration for a prototype, unquote. In other words, there were no safety trials at all, which we already knew and which we already expected would be the case. Watt notes that Pfizer split off the clinical trials from the manufacturing and production side of the prototype COVID vaccine. So all these uh, pharmaceutical companies went through the motions of conducting a trial for publicity purposes, abruptly cut them all off because they figured they had their legal butts covered and of course, the government and the Jewen and all of the you know Jewish pharmaceutical company heads were all in on it and would protect each other and dare the people of America to try to fight back. Boy, if this isn't grounds for a revolution! <laughs> I don't know what is. Yeah, it's the China syndrome. Thank you, Swamp Fox. Well, it's still the China syndrome, isn't it? Because (laughs) Fauci sent the lab work to China. And that's where they've been doing the most effective testing of the effectiveness of the shot. Having killed untold thousands of their own people with the shot. and that is to make sure that it works right. Yes? Absolutely. When Watt looked at Pfizer's OTA contract with the federal government, she realized the agreement is a separate contracting and purchasing framework that U.S. government agencies can enter into with private companies. The independent journalist notes that OTA... No, no. Where are all the leftists complaining about... uh, Socialism, <laughs> right? Fascism. Isn't the combine of big government and big you know, big business, isn't that what they call fascism? Where are all the leftists who should be up in arms? But who are they going to be up in arms against, the government or the, or the corporations that uh, have the revolving door with the government? This is a two-headed monster, folks. A snake with two heads. The independent journalist notes that OTA contracts, which began with a NASA contract in 1958, are entered into between the government and private companies and suspend all kinds of oversight. Oh, man. No, you can't have oversight. You can't have transparency. But you can claim there is, and the people simply believe, especially the leftists. If the government says A, it must be A. But those of us in the the counter-revolution, because we are, in fact, counter-revolutionaries, because this is a revolution against America, a medical revolution against America. Those of us in the counter-revolution have been expecting something like this and we're fighting back. And the more of us who stand pat and don't take the jab and encourage our fellow Americans to resist the jab, the more difficult it will be for the Rothschilds to pull this off. As I said already, in January of 2020, this is way too big a project to pull off. There's no way that they have all the bases covered, even though it may legally be covered. There are going to be all kinds of problems, including the problem of how do you keep this program in place without killing off your own employees? especially in the hospitals. In conti- and continuing now, in essence, Watt says that the emergency use authorization did for COVID injections in terms of liability the OTA has done for the financial contracting side regarding Pfizer's deal with the government to deliver the experimental injections. Now, now whether or not there was any such legalese going on in Thailand or most other countries, is a good question. The fact that Africa has not had a full-scale implementation of the COVID jab is very telling. Because they're not concerned about exterminating black people. They're not really concerned about exterminating Chinamen or Arabs. They want to get rid of us. This is loxism. This is anti white racism, exterminationism to the core, folks. That's what this is. Watt goes on to note the OTA and EUA have essentially allowed the federal government to waive on its own behalf all of the normal safety practices and standards normally in place when developing pharmaceuticals. So much for FDA. <laughs> regulating for safety concerns, right? So much for that. Watt notes that the experimental COVID injections are a bioweapon. Thank you very much. Not a drug. And what it boils down to is the injections are a military product as part of a military project. She adds the injections are not a pharmaceutical product as part of a health project. Well, what do you think, Uh, the Spanish flu was. That was a military project imposed upon the innocent soldiers of America by the Rockefellers. By the Rockefellers, folks. Watt clarifies that the head of the HHS was able to decide based on available data about the injections as well as the, and, and the suppression of uh, 90% of the rest of the data, as well as the severity of COVID-19 as to whether or not the novel vaccines should be deployed. Oh, we're still trying to make up our minds. So didn't Bill Gates say even before all this started that we have to eliminate 90% of the population of the planet? How? So the head of the HHS got to decide unilaterally, basically as a dictator, what is the level of threat that is this SARS-CoV-2 poses to the population, and what are the acceptable risks and benefits calculations of the countermeasure deployed against the first SARS-CoV-2 thing? The independent journalist goes on to tell Latyapova, that, quote, Congress not only put all the power into the HHS Secretary's hands, they also eliminated their own oversight power. Watt adds, Congress claims that they have no power to overrule or review his emergency declarations. Really? Really? And they can't overrule his EUA declarations. Well, it's all illegal. Just say, they won't. It's not that they don't have the power to. They won't. Because they're all afraid to get their legs broken. They also put provisions that no federal judge can review those declarations. Once they're made, they're considered solely within the agency's discretion. So there's no judicial review. So take your tyranny and like it. Didn't Klaus Schwab say? You will own nothing. And like it, on top of that, Watt says Congress eliminated state's power to take any course of action different from what the HHS secretary has said they should do, which is called preemption. In all, Watt clarifies that this means there is no state, congressional, or judicial authority that now exists to overrule the HHS secretary's authority to declare unilaterally a national health emergency nor that a medical product is sufficiently safe and effective for use in the general public during a national health emergency. Whoa, didn't Rahm Manuel say, don't let a good crisis go to waste, right? And lacking a crisis, all we have to do is invent one. Quote, this raises the super interesting philosophical question with horrible implications, Watt says, of how... Did Congress give away a power that it didn't have the power to give away? <laughs> they just made an improper, unconstitutional declaration. That's all. That's what dictators do. They dictate. They don't care what you think of their dicta- dictates. She adds, "Quote: Congress does not have the power to dissolve itself." <laughs> Well, they have the power to be lazy and subservient to some other power lower than God, but pretending to be God. Congress does not have the power to dissolve the federal judiciary under the U.S. Constitution. But they did it to the extent that the federal judges are deferring to them and Congress is deferring to the HHS secretary and and the states for the most part, with exceptions like Florida are deferring and not challenging these things. They're just saying, whoop, What? Well, look what happened. As for Pfizer's clinical trials themselves, Watt says she thinks of them as performance art. Yeah, they deserve an Academy Award, which is another Jewish institution. She says that Pfizer had to conduct them only insofar as they had to make people believe that real ones were happening. <laughs> yeah, that's, we knew that all along. Latyapova adds, quote, I've seen the DOD contracts with Pfizer and it was very puzzling the way they have carved out the clinical trial and anything that has to do with the regulatory process from the money that was being paid ostensibly for the large-scale demonstration. It was a demonstration, not a trial. The pharma veteran adds, quote, literally, they're saying this clinical trial stuff and regulatory theater, this is a voluntary activity Pfizer and FDA participated in. They're just play acting together because they feel like it. What we're paying for is this other thing, this other transaction authority military prototype. You can read more about Latypov's take on things via the post embedded immediately above, okay? So, this has only been visited 667 times. That's all. 78 visits today. So I hope to popular popularize this much better than this. This needs to get out. So uh, you've got the people in the chat room. We have the link. Share it with everybody. And I'll be sharing this link with everybody after today's show. So let's go into... From Progress to Bands is the other link I put in the chat room here. It's not very long. I think I can include this as part of today's show. Uh, But let me quickly jump over to the narrative is collapsing. Oh, damn. Hold on. It's asking me. Okay, yeah. All right. Uh, The narrative is collapsing. There was an ad in front of it. Thailand drops a bombshell on Pfizer. I'll just read a couple of sentences here. I'm going to post this on Eurofolk Radio without a doubt. A few days after receiving her booster injection, the Thai princess suddenly collapsed. Three weeks later, she remains in a coma. The Thai royal family was just informed that the initial bacterial infection diagnosis was in fact always untrue. Thus, from the very start, there was a coordinated cover-up by Big Pharma captured authorities. Okay, I'm trying to find the name of the... Thai slash German doctor it's not mentioned here. Anyway, he he was a practicing physician in Germany. He's been always against the COVID nineteen and he went to Thailand and explained to the king of Thailand this is what Pfizer did to your daughter. Okay? So I hope this turns into a big Lollapalooza for Pfizer Palooza. <laughs> Pfizer Palooza. That's what this is folks. Pfizer Palooza. From progress to bands. How close are human microchip implants? Now we know that the RFID chips have been around for quite a long time since the mid-80s. You know the uh you know and, the, and you could wear a chip a wrist wrist band and You know, put a a chip on a collar of your dog, and, and they've been putting these implants into people for over 20 years now, okay? So this is nothing new. However, this is the next level. All global research articles can be read in 51 languages, blah, 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 let's see, we're, okay, here's how the article begins. The article is entitled, Human Microchip Implants Take Center Stage. Quote, the novelty of replacing one's home key with a microchip implant is gaining worldwide interest. Uh, I think by home key, they mean your brain. (laughs) But there's another more compelling story under the surface. Why is this technology, an integrated circuit the size of a grain of rice, reviled by some and celebrated by self-proclaimed human cyborgs? That's because they're already cyborgs, and they want to kill the rest of us. Arguably, William Shakespeare's Hamlet offers the most elegant explanation. Nothing is neither good nor bad, but thinking makes it so. However, it would be prudent to tell Prince Hamlet that not all microchip implants are designed alike, and understanding the technological design enables one to better evaluate the competing viewpoints. Today, more than 50,000 people have elected to have a subdermal chip surgically inserted between the thumb and index finger, serve as their new swipe key or credit card. In Germany, for example, more than 2,000 Germans have opted to receive these implants. One man even used it to store a link to his last will and testament. As chip storage capacity increases, perhaps users could even link the corporate Works of, (laughs) complete works, maybe I was right the first time, the corporate works of Shakespeare. Okay, Elon Musk is a leader in this category. The article goes on to provide an update of many advances and concerns in the practice of inserting microchips into humans, and this blog is referenced several times. Indeed, I have written about microchip implants from a cybersecurity and privacy perspective three times before, and it is clear to me that inquiring minds still want to know what is the future of microchip implants. Why do I say that with confidence? Because blogs on this topic of microchip implants still receive very high page views and lots of interest from global readers. Yeah, like the uh, like the <laughs> those who have already been chipped. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, anybody? Microplant Im- a microchip implant stories from the past year. Back in March of last year, Wired Magazine offered this video of the science behind Elon Musk's Neuralink brain chip. And it has, I don't know whether it's a cartoon or for real, a chip protruding out of a person's brain which reminded me of the movie Frank- Frankenstein, where Frankenstein had two lugs protruding out of the lower part of his skull, on both sides of his skull, where Dr. Frankenstein hooked up the electrodes, right? <laughs> so so this, this video has somebody with an a electrode sticking out of his skull, I guess they only need one, (laughs) because if you're grounded, you're good to go. Folks, the future is now. The future is now. Get ready for total lockdown, if they can do it, without violence. That's the next phase, folks. Total lockdown without violence, but you know it's not going to work. Not in America, anyway. As I've said many times before, I've got an implant waiting for anybody who wants to implant me. That's all I need to say. So, I dare you. I dare you, Rothschild. I dare you, all you microchippers. Because, as Ted Kaczynski said in his uh, uh, manifesto, there is a conspiracy to chip us and take total control of us through computers. And they've been holding back on us, folks. They've been holding out on us, not telling us really what they're up to and how advanced the technology was even in the 1980s. And it was very advanced, okay? So they don't need to draft you to be a soldier anymore. All they have to do is chip you And give your instructions via the Internet of Things. That's all they have to do. So anyway, this article is, you know, he's uh, talking about the pros and cons. But it's obvious that the cons far outweigh the pros by 30 million to one. All right. Of course, the industry, the implant industry is... Kung-ho, let's go, we don't care what people think, we're, we're, implant- you know what, they've already implemented, uh, sorry, implanted people with the mRNA chip, is way smaller than the, than the, uh, than the electrode sticking out of your skull, it's nano size folks, They've already succeeded with those people who deem to take the shot. Okay, I can't give you a clearer warning, folks. So, how long has this been going on? So, since early 2020, now we're fully three years into this. And they're beginning to run into problems. We need to throw monkey wrenches into the works. We need to throw super glue into the into the gas uh, gas tank uh, of their of their tanks, etc., etc. The people have to fight back. That's all I can say. The people have to fight back. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. The thought police are in your mind and in your backyard. Yes, seven, the name of the uh, doctor is Sucharit Bhakti. Sucharit Bhakti. And maybe that would be a major blow against Pfizer. Bankrupting them would be a really major blow. You know, the Rothschilds could certainly keep printing money and giving it to Pfizer to pay off their, uh, you know, their liabilities. Another thing they could do is just blow, blow Thailand off the map, <laughs> right? Stage another war. Oh, Thailand is exterminating their own people. Really? Uh, you know, just like uh, Ukraine, they could just start another war. That's what the Rothschilds do all the time, right? Yeah, Mister Kim Smith says the global system makes homelessness seem sane. Will they actually inoculate the homeless or will they, will they say, no, they're not worth it, not worth a jab, right? Well, that's a new saying, not worth a jab. All right, folks, thanks for listening. The world is getting crazier, nuttier, and more dangerous as we speak. Keep Yahweh's laws on your mind and practice them. That's your only safeguard against the Jew world order. Take care. Yahweh bless everybody. Bye bye. never remain free, if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem, government is the problem. Praise our way and pass the ammunition, ammunition, ammunition. The Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli James.